today. If you're joining us by live stream today, I hope that you're having a great day on this Groundhog's Day. And um, it's good to worship with you through that way, through live stream. Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got in the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was about 16 years old, I got to do something I'd always wanted to do, and that was to go deep sea fishing. We were down in Florida, and uh, I had just been talking about it and talking about it, and my mom and dad said, okay, here you go. So I went out on this charter boat, deep sea fishing. I had pictured in my mind all of these wonderful things. I was going to catch a marlin that was going to be so big, you know, that it was going to be on probably the restaurant wall when I got back and they took my picture beside that thing. It was, I had just all in my mind. And really the only thing I caught was two things. I caught seasickness and sunburn to the point to where I was praying. Oh, I, you know those prayers where you say, Lord, if you'll only let me get back to shore, I promise. Whatever it is that a 16-year-old promises God in those moments, I was promising all of that to God. Um, oh, my goodness. It makes me think about an old saying that I heard. Maybe you've heard it before. It says, he that cannot pray, let him go to sea, and there he will learn. <laughs> yes. I, I'll bet the disciples were saying some prayers that night uh, in the middle of our gospel reading, in the middle of a small boat, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in the middle of a storm. I bet they were praying. I bet they were praying hard that night. And in the middle of the night, they were wondering, how did we get here? Because, you know, just if you read up a few verses ahead of that, they had just experienced a huge miracle. They had just seen Jesus feed the 5,000. 
I mean, with five loaves and two fishes, he fed a multitude and then they had 12 baskets left over. And I can just picture them sitting by the Sea of Galilee. Their bellies are full and their hearts are warm. Maybe they're giving each other high fives. Did you see that? Did you see what we just did? And look, we've got 12 baskets left over. We could have another picnic, right? I'm just picturing all this in my mind. And then it says in verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go out ahead of him to the other side. What in the world is going on? To follow Jesus means you don't have time to get stuck in a rut because you can't just sit around. He's going to put you in the boat and send you somewhere. Why the boat? Why out to sea? He that cannot pray, let him go to sea and there he will learn. Well, they learned, right, from their experience. And you know what? We're going to learn from their experience today, too. We have some lessons that we're going to notice together. If you are an outline person in your newsletter, there's, there's an outline um, that's got a beautiful picture of the, the storm and the boat and Jesus and Peter and all of that. And on the other side is an outline with fill-ins. Um, if you, if you don't like to take notes and things like that, then you can maybe uh, write a note to your neighbor and pass it to them. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Lesson number one. As followers of Jesus, we are in the boat together. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, we're all in the boat together? And that could be just about anything. But did you know how closely connected it is to the church? The, the image of being in the boat together, one of the earliest forms of Christian artwork shows the church as a boat. And it has the mass in the form of a cross and it's pictured as we're all in the boat together. Uh, you see it in early Christian art. The central portion of the sanctuary where, where y'all are worshiping right now is called the nave. The N-A-V-E. Uh, it is the Latin word for ship. It's the word that we get our word navy from, okay? And many sanctuaries, ours included, if, if you, everybody kind of look up right now, you see how this, it almost looks like the inverted hull of a ship, doesn't it? Ours not as much as some, some naves you will go in. Or it's like you turn the ship upside down, and that's the way it's designed. We worship in the nave. It goes back to Noah's Ark when God's people were all in the same boat, right? And uh, the rain came tumbling down, and the rain came down, and the floods came up. Okay? But they were in the ark. It goes back to the gospel story that we shared today. They're in the boat together because we share the ship together. There's a beautiful word in the Bible for that. It's called fellowship, right? And you thought fellowship was all about fried chicken. I'm not against fried chicken. But fellowship is about being fellows in the same ship. It's the Greek word koinonia, and it means to share in common. Fellowship means to share in common. Now, what do we share in common? Lord knows we don't share the same opinions in common. And that's okay. If you haven't figured it out by now, I'll just tell you, it's okay. 
we differ in opinions on things like football and politics and some points of theology. We differ. It's okay. It's okay. You know, I've always really loved being a part of a church to where people with different opinions can all come together and worship together. That's one of the things I love about being a United Methodist. We don't have to have the same opinion about everything because what's more important is what we do share in common. Okay? We share a common mission. It's the mission. We share a common mission. It goes all the way back to those disciples that got in the boat that day. They had a common mission too. What was their common mission? Well, they were trying to survive a storm. That, that focuses you pretty good on a common mission. But back up. Back up and think, why did they get in the boat in the first place? In verse 22 again, immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. They were getting in that boat and setting out because of their shared common mission, which was to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, get in the boat and head across to the other side. So they did. The people of Gadsden First United Methodist Church express our mission in this way. And you can find it on your, um, on your newsletter. You find it on the bulletin. You find it on the back of the church bus. You find it everywhere. People of Gadsden First United Methodist Church changing lives by sharing Christ, making disciples, serving, and giving hope. Great mission statement. Based on the gospel, based on the life and teachings of Jesus. Great mission statement. But if you put it in a pot and you boiled it down and you got it to its essence, we share the same mission that those 12 disciples did, and that is we want to follow Jesus. That's what we want to do. And it's nice to hang out together. It's nice to, to enjoy food and to have high fives and to congratulate ourselves on a job well done. But if Jesus says, get in the boat and he sends us out, even into a storm, well, then we're all in the boat together. We're all in the boat together. We share a common mission. We share a common challenge and a common hope. And those two go together, by the way. The challenge and the hope go together. Because sometimes sharing that common boat means smooth sailing. Everything's great. And sometimes it feels like verse 24. Verse 24 reads, By this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from land, for the wind was against them. Wow, that's the challenging part. Because sometimes you do feel like that. Sometimes you do feel far from the shore. Sometimes you feel like the waves are hitting you on all sides. Sometimes you feel like every wind is blowing against you. I had one of those days recently, and you've had them too, where you felt if it wasn't one thing, it was another. If it's, okay, well, I, I just got uh, my feet back under me from that wave, and here comes another wave. And, and, and you know, uh, the wind... Why does it feel like I'm walking into a hurricane? Why can't the wind be at my back every now and then? And so you have those times. That's the challenge. I saw a guy recently I hadn't seen in a while, and I said, so how are you doing? And he said, you know what? I kind of feel like the third monkey 
trying to fight his way up the ramp to Noah's Ark. Think about it, third monkey. So challenge, challenge. It reminds me of another old saying, and this one is by Franklin D. Roosevelt, and it says, a smooth sea never made for a skilled sailor. So it's a challenge. It's a challenge, and it's meant to be. We shouldn't be surprised. But we share the hope. We share the hope that Paul wrote about in Colossians chapter 1, the, the mystery that has been revealed throughout the ages and the generations. The mystery which is this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the hope part. There are many things that I don't understand. And the list seems to get longer and longer every day. But I know where my hope lies. I know where my hope lies. We've been studying together um, the book of Revelation. And I, I got to looking back on the calendar. We've been doing it since the middle of August. It's like we started, uh, we started the school year off studying the book of Revelation. Uh, and we're about to get to the end. We've got two more chapters to go. And we're getting to the, I mean, we're getting to the glorious part. Because the end of this book, the end of the book of Revelation is glorious. It's fantastic. And I want my end to be like this end. Glorious. Fantastic. But my hope is not in my sufficiency to be there. My hope is in the sufficiency of Christ to be there. My hope and your hope and our hope is in Christ. So we share the challenge. We share the hope. We share the load. We share it. Not one person being Superman or Wonder Woman. We share it. I've seen a lot of what I could call hyper-individualized Christianity today where it's just me and Jesus and that's all I need. And it looks nothing, hear me, nothing like the early church. It looks nothing like what Jesus did with his disciples. We've been talking about in the month of January about connecting with God, but it was always meant to be in the context of connecting with, with each other. Jesus, listen, in Matthew 14, Jesus went off to the mountain by himself to pray. And sometimes we need to do that too. But he didn't stay on the mountain. Jesus lived in community and Jesus ministered in community. He went to where the needs of the people took him, but he went in community. When he sent out the disciples, it was at least two by two. And when his disciples needed him, when they were on that boat, in that water, in the middle of that storm, you know what Jesus did? He came to them even when he had to walk on the water to get there. So connecting with God is personal. No one can do it for you. My neighbor can't do it for me. But we're never meant to carry the load alone. We're never meant to be lone rangers. We're never meant to be by ourselves. 
It's both personal and communal. It's not either or, it's both. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, he said, Bear one another's burdens and this way fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. And then three verses later in verse 5, he says, For all must carry their own load. Well, okay, Paul, which one is it? Do we bear one another's burdens or do we carry our own loads? It's both. It's both. It's very much like being on a boat. And this isn't a cruise boat where all the staff work really hard to take care of your needs. <laughs> it's more like a Red Cross hospital boat where everybody on that vessel has a job to do. And if everybody does their job, we'll get the mission accomplished, right? We share the load. We share the load. As followers of Jesus, we're, we take a step of faith sometimes, and we fall, and then love lifts us. We take a step of faith, we fall, and love lifts us. Taking the step of faith is the hard part sometimes because we like to be comfortable. Don't we? Don't. Would you be surprised that the best-selling chair in America is the lazy boy, not the worker boy? When it's hot, we want the air conditioner to work. When it's cold, we want the heat to work. And we like the pads on the pews and we like to be comfortable and stepping out of the comfort zone is difficult walking on the water is risky and frightening just like it was for Peter that day and not only was it risky and frightening you know what the other people were doing when Jesus was walking on the water they were talking about Peter walking on the water probably giving him advice hey Peter you should have gotten out on the other side of the boat. Peter, you know what? You really should serpentine. You really should serpentine when you're walking on the water. I read it in a book somewhere. Serpentine. It's scary. It's risky. But it's the price that we pay, we pay for growth. I want to say that one more time. It's scary and risky to take a step of faith. But it is the price we pay for growth. But what if I fail? The little voice in your head is going to say. What if I fail? That's a very distinct possibility. And it's also a very distinct possibility that you'll have the greatest adventure of your life. To put it in baseball terms, which um, I am so ready for baseball season to start, I can't tell you. To put it in baseball terms, if you step up to the plate, you just might strike out. But you might get a hit. And, or you might hit a home run. But not if you don't step up to the plate. So, where was Jesus when Peter was sinking and needed help? The answer was, he was right there. He was right there. He was right there. And love lifts us. We take a step of faith. We fall. And love lifts us. Lifts us. And this is 
the final point today is that love lifts us and he puts us back in the boat. You know you'd miss that if you didn't look really closely. Because we read, we read about the storm. We can see the storm in our minds. We read about Jesus walking on the water. We read about Peter getting out of the boat, walking on the water. It's so exciting. And then him sinking. And we can feel ourselves sinking. We can identify. And then Jesus lifts him up. You know. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. That's where this comes from. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Right? So, but love put him back in the boat. Jesus didn't whisk him away to the shore. It, it, it says in verse 32, when Jesus and Peter got into the boat and then the wind ceased. Why back in the boat? I mean, they, they had this walking on water thing down pretty good by then. A couple of reasons I see. One is that back in the boat, Peter can share his experiences with everybody else. James and John can say, hey, Peter, what was it like, man? Walk, getting out of the boat, walking on the water? What was that like? And Peter could say, well, you know, it's really... Uh, it was scary. It was exciting. Everything I thought was going great, and then I started sinking, and then it was really scary. And then I cried out to Jesus, and then he pulled me up. So do you think he strengthened his friends' faith when he got back in the boat and shared with them so that maybe next time when it came time for them to take a step of faith, they could think, well, you know, if Peter did it and it was all right, and Jesus was there for him. Maybe I could do that too. We're in the same boat. The other reason why I think that Jesus put him back in the boat is in the boat is holy communion. In the boat is holy communion. We are meant to, and this was the message of January. We are meant to connect with God. We're wired that way. We're meant to connect with God. We're meant to take a step of faith. I believe something inside of every one of us makes us want to take a step of faith. But we're also meant for community, for connection, for communion. That's holy communion. And when we receive the sacraments, whenever we receive the sacraments, no matter what worship service we're receiving it I always say a prayer of consecration and here are the words that I use I ask God by your spirit make us one with Christ one with each other and one in ministry to all the world that's the prayer of consecration I pray every single time that is the prayer of disciples that are in the same boat. That's the prayer of people who share the same fellowship. That is the prayer of the shared mission, of the shared challenge, of the shared hope, and of the shared load. That's our prayer.
join me, if you will, on page 12 in your worship. 